Welcome to the podcast for Runaway. I'm the author, Sabine Wilder, here to read my book to you. Let's get started. Chapter 8. A Truth and a Lie The house remained quiet when Susan slipped in through the back door. Tossing her sneakers aside, she padded down the hall toward the bathroom. Normally she would set the shower a little cooler after a run, but after the conversation on the hill and the walk home, a chill had spread through her limbs. Steam flooded out from the shower as Susan jumped in, rubbing her arms under the hot water, trying to rub out the chill. As she warmed herself in the cascading water, her mind busily unraveled and put back together everything that had happened outside. She was a werewolf, that much was certain. Whether or not she was a danger to others remained up for debate, but it would seem she did have some degree of control over her powers. There were others like her, too. Whatever their motives, they existed. She wasn't alone. They may or may not have answers for her, but it was as good a place to start as any. The only way to find out would be to meet them later. She needed to talk to them. The clanking of dishes echoed from the kitchen as Susan stepped into the hall. Her mother was finally awake, and from the smell of things, making breakfast. Susan's stomach grumbled as she quickly rummaged through her clothes, trying to find something clean to wear. Susan entered the kitchen, calm and clean, taking a seat at the counter, ready for breakfast. Eggs sizzled in the pan, and Susan enjoyed a moment of near silence before the onslaught began. "'You were up early,' her mother didn't miss a beat. "'Did you go out for a run?' "'Um, yeah,' Susan's mind spun. "'So far, so normal.' "'Did you go up the road? I hope you weren't out back this time of year.' "'No, I stayed on the road,' Susan lied, ignoring the guilt tugging at her conscience." Isn't it getting too cold out for running? I warm up once I get going. It's only hard when the snow starts and everything gets slushy, which might be sooner than later with the weather we've been having. And it was so nice out a week ago. Mm-hmm, Susan acknowledged her mother, but began to zone out from their conversation, calculating the amount of time she'd need to drive across town to meet Les and Evie. Sue, her mother interrupted her thoughts. Toast? Oh, yeah, sure. Hey, Mom, can I borrow the car today? I need to go downtown. What for? Just shopping. Susan maintained her composure, but could feel her palms getting clammy. White lies and banter were one thing, but this felt different. Oh, are you going to the superstore? Could you pick up a few things while you're there? No, Mom, I'm going with Anna. We're just going to hang out for a bit. All right, then. Susan's mom began dishing out the eggs as if nothing out of the ordinary was happening. Susan relaxed. Finally, her mom was cutting her some slack. Not wanting to waste this opportunity, Susan shoveled down her food, making as hasty an exit as possible. You could at least chew your food instead of wolfing it down, Susan's mom scolded. Susan choked. Something went down the wrong way and she coughed. See what I mean? Susan gulped down water instead of trying to find an excuse. Her mom could have this victory. Sorry, I was really hungry after my run. I'll chew next time. Gotta go. Susan drove out to the Tim Hortons at the south end of Timber Creek, where she was supposed to meet the Byrne siblings. She sat for a moment after parking the car, trying to unravel her thoughts again, but it was no use. There was only one thing to do. She stepped out of the car, but stopped when she saw the people milling through the window of the coffee shop. She wasn't sure who she was looking for, as she had no idea what the Burnses looked like as humans. Susan laughed at the thought of a werewolf lining up for its morning coffee. 
A familiar scent hit Susan's nose, and she turned to see a boy waving at her from a bench across the parking lot. It had to be less. The resemblance was obvious, down to the smug grin and the twinkle in his eye. Sitting next to him was an older woman, probably in her thirties, who appeared to be ignoring Susan, focusing instead on the steaming cup of tea in her hand. Susan made her way across the parking lot, and when she got close, Les jumped up to meet her. "'Did you want to get something?' Les tilted his cup toward the coffee shop. "'My treat?' "'Uh, no thanks. I'm fine. I'm not much of a coffee drinker.' Susan was anxious to get on with their conversation. "'Suit yourself,' Les took a sip from his cup. "'Let's take a walk,' Evie rose from the bench, pushing back a lock of brown hair before eyeing Susan. Susan felt Evie's cold stare boring into her, and she looked away. Suddenly Susan felt lighter, as if there had been tension in the air that she hadn't noticed. She followed Evie, and Les strolled along beside her. Together they meandered down the streets of the nearby suburb. Susan's mind raced with questions, but she wasn't sure where to start. Les took the conversation past pleasantries. So I take it your family doesn't know, then, about the wolf stuff? No, they don't. Susan hadn't had anyone to talk to about her struggles besides Anna, and even then, there was no way Anna could understand. I see, Les chewed at the rim of his now-empty coffee cup. Is there anyone who does? Susan's heart jumped into her throat. What happens if someone does know, or even if they find out by accident? Don't worry, Les reassured her. It's not the end of the world if someone finds out, or suspects. We'll deal with it. Normally we encourage getting family involved, especially seen as how they may share a bloodline. Bloodline? So it's hereditary? Bingo. No bites or transfer of bodily fluids required. It's all in your genetics. So this could happen to my mom, or my brother. Susan shuddered. She didn't wish what she'd gone through on anyone, least of all her family. It's unlikely to affect your mother. Evie dropped back to walk by Susan's other side. Awakenings seldom happen past middle age, but she may be a carrier. Most people awaken around puberty. Les bumped her arm playfully with his elbow. Gives a new meaning to the change, doesn't it? Susan laughed, her tight chest making it sound sharp. Because going through puberty isn't fun enough already. But wait, if it's hereditary, shouldn't you have an idea who's a werewolf and who isn't? How come no one warned me? The answer is that we don't know. Evie stared off into the distance. Many bloodlines have been lost to us over the years. We haven't always been this organized. But you're organized now, Susan said. And you have your own system and rules and everything. We try to operate under the laws of our human hosts for the most part, Les said. But then there are certain things that humans don't have laws to govern, or we feel they don't apply to us. That's where we come in. Right. Susan drew out the word. Where did you say you came from again? The bureau that governs all werewolf comings and goings is called Fenris. Les threw her a cheeky grin. You'll become very intimate with their workings over the next little while. Because of Jim? Yes. Les opened his mouth to say more, but instead scratched the back of his head and looked to Evie. Evie's face was grim. There's also a complication. That you keep mentioning but haven't told me anything about... Susan stomped her foot on the pavement, drawing their walk to a halt. We have a situation. Evie's voice remained level and calm. One that is not your fault, but may be connected to you and your awakening. Your case is actually the lower priority right now. Susan's skin went cold. 
What could be more important than a murder investigation? Evie caught Susan square in her gaze, preventing another death. Susan froze, unable to form words to express her shock. Evie continued, Susan, I'm very sorry for what you've gone through, and everything you're about to go through, but we have reason to believe a dangerous criminal is here in Timber Creek. Whoa, like, what kind of criminal? A werewolf? I thought we could control ourselves. Control is learned, Les said. Some have an easier time with it than others. In the end, though, we have as much free will as any human. And like humans, you get some bad apples. This criminal is one of us, Evie said, and we deal with our own kind in cases like this. He's killed before, and he'll kill again. It's only a matter of time. Susan took a moment to stare at her feet as everything swirled through her head. What can I do to help? Les put a hand firmly on Susan's shoulder. You're already helping by cooperating with us. I know this is hard for you, and I promise, we'll deal with your case as soon as we deal with our little friend first. We call him Hunter. Evie's lips tightened at the name. But he could be operating under any alias, disguising himself as human. We've been chasing him for many years, but he's cunning. What's worse is that he enjoys taunting us. It's all a game in his twisted little mind. Sounds like a real nice guy, Susan said. Actually, Evie said, he can be quite charming when he wants to be. He blends in with humans extremely well. He's done it for years, and he's good at what he does. And you think this killer, this hunter, might be connected to me somehow? Not so much connected as close to you, Les said. You were not aware of what you were, or that there were others like you, but he's probably known about you right from the start. Susan racked her brain. She couldn't picture anyone she knew being a cold-blooded serial killer, but then maybe it was someone she didn't know all that well. So what's this hunter guy like? You said you've been after him for years. How old is he? That's not easy to answer. Les hinted at something, as if he wanted Susan to guess. Susan took the bait. Why? We age differently from humans, Evie said. We can live for a long time, and often we pause at certain stages in our development. No one really knows why, but there's a chance Hunter's just as young as he used to be, or that he's aged significantly. How long is a long time? Susan couldn't tell if Les was joking, but Evie seemed genuinely serious. Do we live forever? <laughs> no, Les laughed. But a few hundred years isn't too shabby. Are you serious? Les pointed proudly to his chest. I'm over a hundred, give or take a decade. That's not even funny. I know, you think you have problems. I've been a teenager for over a hundred years. Susan was about to laugh at the absurdity of it all when her phone buzzed in her coat pocket. Her stomach lurched as her home number flashed across the screen. I need to take this, guys. One sec. The phone was barely to her ear when her mother's voice burst from it. Susan, where are you? I told you, Mom, I'm out shopping. With Anna, right? Guilt welled in Susan's stomach. Yeah, like I said this morning. Then would you care to explain to me why Anna answered the phone when I called the Russells? Panic spread up Susan's throat like wildfire. I, uh, I just wanted to get out of the house, okay? No, it's not okay. Where are you? I'm fine. I'm down at the Tins in the South End. I'm out for a walk with some friends. Susan Wolf, you get in my car and drive your sorry butt home right now. We'll talk about this when you get home. 
Susan hung up the phone, holding it at arm's length, staring blankly at the screen. Les broke the silence. That didn't sound good. It's not. I kind of lied to my mom about where I was, and now she's freaking out. You lied to your mom? Les grimaced as if he had stepped on something sharp. What was I supposed to tell her? Bye, Mom. I'm meeting up with a couple of strangers I met this morning. By the way, they're werewolves, but don't worry. They haven't bitten my head off yet. I get it, Les said. We've put you in a tight spot. So let's take a minute and think about what we're going to do next. There is no we, Susan said, irritated. I'm going home. I lied to my mom, and now she's freaking out. I'm probably going to be grounded for the rest of my life, so I don't know what you think I'm going to be able to do to help you. I understand. Les's calm, level tone was more grating than reassuring. I'm sorry, Sue. We screwed things up. No, I got myself into this. I'll get myself out. Just give me some time to go home and talk to my mom. Maybe we should go with you, Evie stepped forward. Evie, you know we can't right now. Les stood in front of her, blocking her way. Why the hell not? We've already made contact, and things are only going to get more complicated. Screw protocol. Fenris will have our tails. Look. Susan held up her hands, stepping between the siblings. I'll sort this out, okay? Just give me some time. We might not have time. Evie's normally level voice wavered. Les pushed his sister back, handing Susan a card. We'll give you an hour. If you can't sort it out on your own, we're going to have to step in. Call me when you've sorted things out with your mom. Or if you change your mind and want our help. Susan took the card, running her fingers over the embossed letters and numbers. Thanks, Les. I'll call soon, I promise. She hadn't even made it back to the car before Anna called in a panic, asking frantically if Susan was all right. She had really done it this time. Not only was her mom mad at her, but now Anna was freaking out as well. They both panicked over the smallest things, and it was amazing how one little white lie was turning into a disaster. She would be pushing her mom's patience and her hour ultimatum, but Susan needed to stop at Anna's on the way home to do some damage control. Anna was already waiting for her on the curb outside of her house. Clouds loomed overhead, making everything gray. Susan pulled over to the side of the road. She hadn't even gotten out of the car before Anna was in her face. Are you crazy? Your mom's going to kill you! Anna's normally pale skin was drained of color, looking like paper in the gray light. Tell me something I don't know, Susan slammed the Honda door. You could have told me. I would have covered for you. I didn't think about it. I'm sorry. Susan's hands flew into the air. What's so important you couldn't tell me? Hurt replaced Anna's frustration. No, it's not like that. I didn't... Susan's world was swimming. She pressed her fingers to her temples and focused. I didn't think things through because I was in a rush. I couldn't tell my mom... Jesus, I just wanted her off my back for five minutes. But you dragged me into this? I didn't think she would find out. I was only supposed to be gone for a couple of hours. Doing what? What is so important you couldn't at least give me a heads up? Susan stared at Anna, taking in a sharp breath. There are others like me. Other werewolves. They found me this morning on a run, but... Mom doesn't know anything about the wolf stuff, and I can't tell her right now. I don't even know what's going on. And suddenly, someone's there offering me a lifeline. I had to take it. And you didn't think to tell anyone where you were going? What if they did something to you, Sue? They're not like that. 
Oh, I suppose you're real good friends after meeting for five minutes. You wouldn't understand. Something snapped behind Anna's eyes. Right. I wouldn't understand what it's like to be different. To have a secret you can't tell anybody. How could I possibly know what it's like to have people assume you're normal on the outside, but in the inside, you're struggling to keep this screaming urge in check? Susan opened her mouth to protest, but something in Anna's voice stopped her. There was something there, something Susan couldn't remember. Anna let the full force of her fury out. How could I understand? How could you understand? You've been a werewolf for a week and you're falling apart. Now imagine keeping that secret with no one to talk to. Try lying to everyone, even your best friend, because you're terrified you'd lose them if they knew the truth. Realization crawled up Susan's spine. Anna, I... No, shut up. Just shut up and listen for once. It's always about you, Sue. You said you'd make time and you never did. But then what could possibly compare to being a werewolf? It must be so hard. Not like being gay. That's so yesterday. Kids are over it these days, especially in small towns. The pieces clicked into place. Susan had been so wrapped up in her own problems that she completely forgot about that nagging little puzzle she was trying to coax out of Anna. Now it was all laid out in front of her. I... I'm sorry, Anna. Forget it. No, wait. I know I've been wrapped up in this whole thing and... You don't get it, do you, Sue? You don't need me anymore. You have your new friends who can clearly help you more than I ever could. Go play fetch with them and leave me alone. No, Anna. Susan reached forward to grab her arm, but Anna pulled away at the touch. Leave me alone. Anna screamed and turned to run down the street. Susan wanted to follow, but her legs rooted themselves to the ground. She had never seen Anna so angry. She didn't know what to do. She wanted to fix it, to make everything all right, but she knew Anna wouldn't hear it right now. Anna needed to blow off some steam, and Susan needed to let her. She shuffled her way back to the car when her phone rang again. It was her mom. Susan leaned against the car as she lifted the phone to her ear. Where are you? Her mother's worried voice echoed through the phone. Apologizing to Anna? Susan thumped her head against the car. I thought you were coming straight home. Yeah, well, seeing as how you'll probably lock me up and throw away the key when I get there, I figured I might as well apologize to my best friend for throwing her under the bus. A deep sigh came from the phone. And how is that going? She's pissed. She won't even talk to me. Sue, I don't know what's going on. I know you're having a hard time right now, but I'm here for you. Come home and we'll talk about it. I promise I won't throw away the key. Tears welled in Susan's eyes. But you might lock me up? We'll see about that. Her mom was being reasonable. After all, she had no idea what was really going on. Maybe it was time to tell her the truth. Susan agreed to come home, but no sooner had she hung up than she was reaching into her coat pocket, fumbling with a little paper card and mashing numbers into her phone. Hello? A cheery voice answered. Hey, Les, it's Sue. Oh, hey, how's it going with your mom? I haven't even made it home yet. Really? You live that far? No, I stopped at Anna's, my best friend's, to apologize for getting her in trouble. But then we got into this huge fight and she ran off. She's so mad at me. This is all my fault. It'll be fine, Sue. I'm sure she'll come to understand. That's just it, though. She's the only person who understands. 
Susan bit her lip before rushing into her confession. Les, I told her about everything. I've even changed in front of her, and now she's so mad at me she actually ran off. Whoa, wait a sec. She knows you're a werewolf? Yeah. Susan steeled herself for the consequences. Is that a problem? Well, yes and no. She wouldn't be the first human to find out about us. She'll have to be debriefed and all that stuff, but don't worry. It's not as bad as it sounds. Les paused, a silence falling between them. But right now, we've got something a bit more pressing than politics. Remember that criminal we're after? Susan's blood ran cold. We didn't get to talk much about him, but because of your awakening, we think there's a chance his victim will be someone close to you. I don't want you to panic, but better safe than sorry. You said Anna ran off. Do you know where she went? Susan looked down the street. There was no sign of her. I... I don't know. She ran off, but she doesn't want to talk to me right now. Even if I found her, she might run away again. Not that I couldn't catch her, but... Calm down, Sue. I want you to look around and see if you can find her, but don't go too far. Tell me where you are, and Evie and I will meet you there in a heartbeat. Susan could hear a car revving up in the background as she gave less directions. There was no time to waste. The hunt was on. That concludes Chapter 8. Runaway is currently available for you to listen to for free. I will release a new chapter every week until the book is finished. But if you can't wait to find out what happens, the ebook is available through Kobo and Amazon. Just search for Sabine Wilder or get a direct link from my website at sabinewilder.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to give me feedback, you can always email me at sabine at sabinewilder.com. Don't forget to rate this podcast and help me grow. Thank you for listening and have a pleasant night.